Hi, Will McCormick. How you doing? I'm doing good, Tony. How you doing? <laughs> doing that was good. a weird intro. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you just got right into it. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been so weird if you just went with it. Well, I, what am I supposed to go with that? <laughs> what direction am I taking that? I don't know. You just started laughing, and then it got me laughing. You're like, "Hey, Will, how's it going?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a Tony G show. A goofy episode, I guess, going on. Tony G show. I'm Tony G. That's Will McCormick. Um. <laughs> oh, yo. oh, oh, oh the boy. goofy's going on in the Tony G show so far. Oh, <laughs> the funny, the funny guess is going. I tell you what, we need to laugh though. Week five of the semester, and I mean, we are just. It might be like a stress laugh. I mean, it might be like it's not out of enjoyment. It's just because it's like a lot on our plate, <laughs> and yet we still fit in the Tony G show for Tony G Nation. All right. Let's get real here. I am Tony G. That's Will McCormick. This is the Tony G Show, episode number 96, the ninth episode of season six, the first episode of March 2021. And if you remember, season four, we only did 10 episodes because of the coronavirus. We all got sent home. Will and I had no way to produce the Tony G Show at the time. So here we are. Oh, we only did 10? Oh, that's right. We got cut off right around now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then season five, we surpassed season, uh, episode 10, and that was a pretty cool moment. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that again pretty soon here. This is a Tuesday edition, and then that means the 10th episode will be on the Thursday edition. You're following along, Will. Mm-hmm. How was your weekend, Will? It was good. I went skiing on oh, Sunday. Really? Yeah, I got rained on. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, right as you said that, I thought, I wonder where there's snow. Yeah, I was I was looking forward to... I went down to Wausau. Granite Peak okay. there. I was looking forward to skiing all week, and then I get there, and it's, like, foggy. That's a long drive, about three hours, right? No, like an hour and a half from here. Oh, okay. Three, three, from, three from Iron Mountain. Oh, okay, sure. Um, to Wausau, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it rained on me, like, all day. Like, I skied for, yeah. like, maybe two hours, and I was, like, soaked. Yeah. Was <laughs> so, it fun, though? It was fun. It was better okay. than studying, so. Good for you. We'll look at it that way. Um, what about yourself? Good weekend. Celebrated... The mom's birthday, was, which was actually yesterday on Monday. Oh, happy late birthday. Yep. Happy birthday, mom. A lot of birthdays going on. Is it, yeah, it is like a birthday packed. I have a uh, like couple weeks. You here. know, the mom. Then there's my friend Bill Scott, the Wisconsin Radio Network. Mm. His, it was his birthday yesterday. My roommate Alonzo, his birthday yesterday. My other roommate, Jeez. CJ, his birthday today. Friend of the house, Connor, his birthday is... Friday. Oh my gosh. Rose, friend of the show, she listens. Hi, Rose. Her birthday was yesterday. And then there's a couple more. Um, my other roommate, Christian, his brother Griffin's birthday was yesterday. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Try to keep track of all of it. Of course, the mom was at the forefront. You know? Mm-hmm. That's the one. Most important. Yeah. Good weekend. What do you say? Should we do an episode today or just talk like this, freelanced? Uh, probably the episode today, but we should do an episode just like... Just like spitball on it yeah yeah anyways that's what i listen that's what our listeners would want right tony g nation all right let's preview the episode here before we get into it mlb is finally here for the tony g show i posted you know i post the episodes every episode on social media and we had our friend alex shout out to alex comment and he requested some mlb talk well you're gonna get that and a whole lot more on this episode of the tony g show we're gonna preview the upcoming regular season for Major League Baseball. But before that, we're going to recap the offseason for Major League Baseball. That'll be a good chunk of the episode. Then we're going to talk about J.J. Watt as he has decided 
where he's going to play next season and the season after that with the Arizona Cardinals. We'll talk about what that does to the landscape of the Cardinals division in the NFC West and what does J.J. Watt bring to the Arizona Cardinals. And then we're going to recap the episode, or, or I suppose cap off the episode, talking about a sports team that we don't usually talk about because they're not professional or they're not D1, but they mean a lot. Mm-hmm. To the Tony G Show. And they deserve a shout-out. And they deserve a shout-out. After going 2-0 and to start their season, St. Norbert College Baseball would talk about their doubleheader on Saturday. Tony G Show drops Tuesdays, Thursdays. Apple, Spotify, Google. Will at mm-hmm. Willis5312 on Twitter. I am at Tony G Show on Twitter. All right, well... Ready to get into it? Yes, sir. You got the laughs out. You got I, the giggles out. Yeah, I'm all serious now. Okay. Yeah, so am I. Tony G Show. Okay, well, let's get into it. Let's recap the offseason in Major League Baseball and then preview the upcoming regular season. Uh, we'll just do it like a quick, mm-hmm. well, I suppose not quick, but just a brief summary of the biggest moves in the offseason for Major League Baseball. The first one right off the bat, 2020, 2020 Cy Young Award winner Trevor Bauer signs with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Three years, $102 million, and opt-out after 2021. That's this season for $2 million. And an opt out after 2022, that's next season, for $15 million. That's big money, Will. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of college tuitions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I could make that type of money. Either way, big move for the Dodgers. The rich get richer. I mean, we've talked about the Dodgers so many times on this episode. And their front office and the way they do things, the way they scout, the way they sign free agents and trade, and the, just the way that their overall organization is conducted. They are one of the most consistent and strongest organizations in all of Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no one that you can really compare them with in terms of Major League Baseball. Maybe the Cardinals. I'd argue the Cardinals are right up there, and we'll talk about them uh, with the next biggest move of the offseason. But just the Dodgers right now. I mean, you can't top them the way they do things. It's going to be a fun season to watch them. I mean, they... It's going to be a fun season. It's been a fun last decade to watch them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they go out, they win the World Series last year, and they only get better coming into this year and possibly next year and the year after. I mean, it's it's tough when the rich get richer like that for the landscape of Major League Baseball as a whole. But for the Dodgers, you have to take your hat off. Give credit where credit is due. I mean, they just do not stop. They are consistent, persistent, competitive, one of the best-run organizations in Major League Baseball – and all of professional sports, I'd argue. I mean, the level of consistency year after year of being competitive and not taking the foot off the gas in the offseason, consistently building on what they have, using their money. I mean, they do have one of the biggest uh, cap spaces in all of Major League Sports, but they use it. They don't apologize for it. They use it, and mm-hmm. they get better. They build. And Trevor Bauer, I mean, one of my favorite pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. I have one of his shirts 
you know, he's has his own company. You. He said, you, oh, I'm just I have it. I can pull it all right here. <laughs> Cy Young Award winning last year, remember, with the Indians and then the Reds. One of the best pitchers in baseball, a guy who analyzes himself more than anybody, I think, in sports. Not just, like, professionals, but, but like, anywhere. He wears a ring on his right hand, the ring finger, to analyze some of his statistics. To analyze his heartbeat or his... Just a bunch of different statistics that mm. you wouldn't even think of. Plus, he analyzes himself, and he's hired like three or four analysts to analyze his metrics with him, just to get different perspectives. I Jeez. mean, the guy, I mean, the mental capacity that that takes alone, not even regarding his physical attributes that he can do on the mound and on the baseball diamond, the mental space that that takes, oh my gosh. Can you imagine having somebody just like analyze all the data that you create throughout the day? Oh, no. I... I can't imagine like, like looking at data like that. I mean, you do that. You've mm-hmm. shown me some of the work you do. You could probably have a little bit better perspective on this than I could. But it's the fun. mental capacity. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can pull out from data that you wouldn't really think you could, you could, uh, you could find. But that would be interesting to see. Like he has three people. You know, three like or what, four, maybe even five. So like they must, one of them must specialize in one aspect of his life or something like that. Is pretty crazy. I I don't. He, he just functions on a completely different level than the rest of professional athletes with the way he analyzes himself, his sport, players around him. I mean, he... Well, if it works, it works. I mean, even if you don't take into consideration a locker room presence, which seems for all intents and purposes that he has a positive locker room presence, he has good relationships with some of the players in the locker room, he has beef with other players around the league, but in the locker room, it's been... Fairly positive for the most part, I think. I haven't heard anything overbearing of him being a negative locker room presence to his teammates. But even if you don't bring that into consideration, think about the amount of analytics that he surveys of not just himself but his opponents and how much his teammates can benefit off of that. So now it's not just him getting better, it's his entire team getting better. Mm -hmm. When you're the Dodgers and you don't even need to get better to compete and you're still doing it, this may be the Dodgers' year again. Are they... Like similar to how we did last episode, are they their, are they your way too early favorite? It's a good question. I think I think so. I don't think there's a team. Oh, the White Sox maybe in the AL. It could be a White Sox. But talent wise, you know, and, and baseball is oh, hard it, too to to predict because there's so there's so many games, so yeah, much can happen. But sixty two games in a season, right? I think, I think right now. The Dodgers are my way too early pick for the World Series. I'll say it officially. To go there. I don't want to say win yet because I don't have I didn't go through the analytics of who they're playing and you know, whatever. But I think right now, to get to the World Series, yeah. The, Never the Padres. The Padres have been really good. Yeah, the the Dodgers will at least make a push barring any major injuries yeah. or anything like that. And I mean that division too, the NL West isn't that competitive. You know, the Giants are kind of in a rebuilding phase. The Padres are in a re- rebuilding phase, but I think they're going to be very competitive this year. You know, it's, it, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's the most competitive division. The Diamondbacks, I don't think, are going to be very good. So, uh, regardless, we'll move on here in the offseason of the MLB. But just to recap that conversation, the Dodgers do it better than anybody. How do you argue for anyone else against them in terms of being a better-run organization? Dodgers build with Trevor Bauer. Next biggest move that I found from the Major League Baseball offseason. Nolan Arenado, the 
multi-time Gold Glove Award winner, the third baseman, traded from the Colorado Rockies to the Arizona Cardinals. No, to the St. Louis Cardinals. I got you, Will. I got you. You did. I did. I didn't really pick up on it at first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Either way, Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals. This is more of a <laughs> this is a fleece type of a trade. I mean, the Cardinals fleeced the Rockies, and they only got one player. <laughs> the Rockies landed Austin Gomber, Mateo Gill, Elherius, Montero, Tony Losi, and Jake Somers. Who? 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 I mean, that was a fleece. I mean, it was a five for one. And I'm not saying that these guys won't pan out and be, you know, and they won't be good players in the MLB. Right. I'm just saying that, I mean, Nolan Arenado for five prospects, someone who, you, who no one's heard of before, and the Rockies could always use starting pitching. I mean, you don't ask for a Miles Michaelis or you don't ask for a Jack Flaherty. I mean, you get five prospects. You don't get anyone that's going to be good right now. And maybe they have insight onto who these guys are before I do. I don't know. But I, it just seems to me like this was a five-for-one deal with the value of a one-for-zero deal. <laughs> I mean, it was like a bucket of baseball was going to the Colorado Rockies for Nolan Arenado. Ooh, good, deal for the, <laughs> good deal for the St. Louis Cardinals landing Nolan Arenado. And this is one of those situations, as I just mentioned, with the Dodgers. That when the Dodgers compete and go into the offseason, they're never satisfied going into the next season. They always build. They always find a piece to add. They always, always, always make sure they're in a position to make a run in the playoffs and at a World Series. And the Cardinals are the very same type of organization. I mean, year after year for the last decade and a half, since the Albert Pujols, Pujols days and maybe even before the Albert Pujols days, I don't remember much about those years. You know, I'm not that old. But the Cardinals are one of the most consistently run competitive organizations in all of sports. Always good. Never quit. That's another note I want to pull in here. I'm just kind of picking this out of the sky. But I think it's a very solid attribute for who the Cardinals are overall. The Cardinals never quit in a game. And what I mean by that is they're never out of it. It could be 6 nothing heading into the 7th, and it, there's still a very good chance that heading into the 8th it's going to be 6-5, six, 6-6, six, 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 I mean, you, the Cardinals are never out of it. There's a few organizations that are like that. I think the Cubs are like that. I think the Red Sox are like that. But the way the Cardinals do it, I think it's just such a, a consistent attribute with who they are. I mean, it's a consistent, what's the word I'm looking for? It's Trade. a correlation. It's a correlation of who the Cardinals are. As an organization, correlation, organization, Tony G on the mic microphone. Oh, you you slaughtered it. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way? No. Oh. Okay. Well, I mean, you could have. No, it's okay. Just... What rhymes with organization? I'm sad now, Will. You can't take it back. <laughs> Procrastination. <laughs> okay. All right. Tony G is not a rapper. I mean, just to wrap well, up the Cardinals discussion here. Nolan Arenado is the piece that I think they need. They could use a little more pitching. Miles Michaelis doesn't have the lowest career ERA. Neither does Jack Flaherty, but they're both very good pitchers. Both with a lot of upside still. I think they could have used uh, a couple pitching pieces in the offseason, and I think they did add a few. But, I mean, not to take away from this Nolan Arenado pickup, hmm, Cardinals... 
And I'd make the argument that the NL Central is still competitive. You know, there's still a lot of talent around the organization. Or, or the organization, around the, around the division. So I think that moves like this is really what separates the competitive teams from the non-competitive teams. But also coaching. You need big moves. You need big coaches. Look at the Reds. They went out. They had Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer. Added guys like Mike Moustakis in the lineup. I mean, they had talent all around that lineup. And they didn't do nothing with it. They didn't get very far in the playoffs at all. So you need good coaching as well. And when you look at the Cardinals, they've been one of the consistently best coached organizations as well. Tony La Russa, guy who was there for... I don't know how many years and won how many rings. Then you look at uh, Mike Matheny, guy who made them very competitive. And right now, Mike Schilt. Ah, you know, give or take what I think of Mike Schilt. Mm-hmm. He, he fits the Cardinals' way. Competitive, classy, just all around good baseball. And I think the Cardinals are going to be a very big factor in the NL Central this year. Next biggest move that I want to mention, and because I I don't think it's the biggest player, it's the biggest name that you could have landed, but it's the perfect piece for this organization. They didn't go out and do too much. They got what they needed. The Braves landed right-handed pitcher Charlie Morton. He was a Tampa Bay Ray in the World Series. Very good playoff veteran presence for that young squad in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. A team that is so young. A team that's starting to pick up some experience. Guys like Acuna and Ozzy Albies. You know, guys in that starting rotation as well. I think this is the piece that adds that veteran presence that the Braves are looking for. Which almost any team needs to make a, a push. You need yes. at least a few players that have been there. Yep. And you could argue Freddie Freeman has been for that organization. But, but for that starting lineup, I think this is the piece they need. It's a perfect fit. He doesn't have the most impressive numbers, but he still has that presence and that lineup experience. He knows how to how to pitch to guys. And that division, let's talk about that one. The NL East, also competitive. Mm-hmm. Teams like the Mets, who we're going to talk about in about three minutes here. Teams like uh, the Marlins, not the most competitive. Okay, <laughs> Phillies, still not the most competitive. I think they're making moves to compete. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is... Adding this move, the Braves are now the front runner of that division. Oh, yeah. As if they weren't in the first place. Right. I think the Braves have added that piece that they need to blossom into the organization of the NL East for this season, I think, a few seasons to come as well. How about my favorite moves? This is Tony G's favorite moves. And there's, it's only by one team, but I think there's a couple moves that play into it. And this is the... New York Mets, and we're going to use this, uh, the New York Mets and what they acquired to segue into the season preview. I think, overall, the New York Mets have also bolstered themselves. The NL, the National League is going to be very, very competitive. I think what the Mets added this offseason, they made trades, acquired Francisco Lindor, infielder from the Indians, as well as Indians pitcher Carlos Carrasco in the offseason. Also, what the Mets added, you know, we can talk about that trade in a little bit here, but I, I want to make this argument about the Mets' starting rotation because they now have the best starting rotation in all of baseball after this trade, but then after this signing. 
I think this was just like a week ago. Mets signed Taewon Walker, two years, twenty million, a twenty twenty three player option or three million dollar team buyout. In twenty twenty, four and three at two seven ERA. Very good ERA. Very solid pitcher. Still kind of young. And now when you look at the starting rotation for the Mets, Noah Syndergaard, recovering from Tommy John surgery. He won't be ready at the season start. Jacob deGrom, consistent Cy Young prospect, always in the mix for that award. Carlos Carrasco, veteran presence we just talked about with Charlie Morton, and he's still pitching very well at this point in his career. Carlos Carrasco also just beat cancer. Wow. Yeah, so... I did not know that. You talk about that. You talk about Marcus Stroman, who opted out of the 2020 season. Taiwan Walker, we just talked about. And Joey Lucchese, young pitcher who used to uh, play for the Padres. Very solid starting rotation. I don't mm-hmm. know who you take. There's six guys, and you usually have a five-man pitching rotation. I wonder if Marcus Stroman's going to get bumped to the bullpen to start the year because he opted out of last season. Although, although Noah Syndergaard is recovering from Tommy John surgery. So, however, regardless of however they're going to play that starting rotation, it's dominant, it's experienced, and it's mean. Heavy fastballs, they're going to come right at you. I mean, Noah Syndergaard and Jacob DeGrom both throw over 100 on occasion. I think Marcus Stroman also can. Joey, Joey Lucchese, Taiwan Walker, I think they're mid-90s types of guys. Heavy fastball, going to challenge you. Here it is, beat us. Put it on a tee, see if you can hit it. I think the Mets are going to be a mean, lean machine heading into this season. And As I mentioned, this would be a segue into the season preview. I didn't go into each division. I didn't talk about each team uh, You know, in my notes here preparing because Tony G does his homework. How I'm going to preview this season is... I'm going to talk about who I think is going to be competitive, who I think are going to be the good teams, who I think are going to be the bad teams, a couple teams that may surprise uh, of fans of baseball. And so we can start right there with the Mets. In that NL East with the Braves, they're going to be duking it out. I think the Braves have the Mets just by a couple talent pieces, just by uh, a coaching as well, organization. You know, the Mets have been dealing with a lot of controversy heading into this this season. Uh, who did we talk about? What's his name? Um, he had the the text message inc- incident, oh. sexual harassment. Oh, um, I forget his name there, every time we talk about him. Or there... The G, uh, Porter or something. Yeah, look that up for me. Well, I think that only takes away from... Jared Porter. Jared Porter, yeah. I, did I say Porter? You something did say Porter. Porter. Yeah. I think... News stories like that only take away from the talent that you're working with on the field. You know, I mean, that that does affect on-field play. That affects fan perspective of morale. the team. Morale. And I think the Braves haven't really been dealing with that. And also the Braves, remember, are going to be honoring, dedicating this season to Hank Aaron, who passed away. That may be the one big news story that's t- that could take the minds and focus off of baseball but even then, mm-hmm. I think it does more so to help the players focus and, and give them real reason and purpose as, as if they needed any to develop into good baseball players, a good baseball team. The Mets, as I mentioned, only losing attention and focus due to the news stories circling around their organization. That doesn't take away from the talent, but I think it takes away from the overall play. So it'll be interesting to see how that NL East plays out. 
I mentioned the Dodgers are going to be good. I think the Padres are also going to be very good this year. That's a team that made the playoffs last year. Fernando Tatis, the young stud mm-hmm. in San Diego. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I like their starting rotation. I don't know if I love their coaching. It's kind of like the Tampa Bay Rays situation. I don't know if I love Jace Tingler, Who? the manager. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who? And like I said, I compared to the Rays. Kevin Cash, remember he had the big hiccups in the World Series, pulling Blake Snell when he shouldn't have. I like the Padres, and I like how they're building. I like that they're trying to make moves. They've actually been in talks with the Brewers for Josh Hader. Hmm. So they're constantly trying to get better, too. They know they have a lot of talent. They know they have a lot of opportunity right now. They locked up Fernando Tatis. I think they have good money to work with. So the Padres are going to be good and competitive. A team that I, I think is going to be bad that I don't, think people are talking about enough because i think they know they're going to be bad the cubs mm. i don't think the cubs are going to be very good this year no, I don't they, think so. they've been kind of tapering off since their world series year yeah. and i think this is the year it all kind of comes crumbling down mm-hmm. and if that's if that's a take that comes back to bite me in october then so be it but i think the cubs are going to be right on the surface mid to below 500 on the surface people right now, are talking about them yeah it's looking pretty pretty rough talent wise but yeah. Who knows, there could be some diamonds in the rough that could show up. So. It, it's weird that you mention that because they have good talent, but they're not really consistent, the talent. Chris Bryant, good talent, but he's right. kind of tapered well, off since he's been an MVP in their pitching rotation. I mean, I saw something on Twitter from a fan on uh, of the Cubs. I don't remember their name, so I can't really give them full credit, but they said something about how they had Jake Arrieta. He kind of tapered off, and they traded him away. They acquired you Darvish. He kind of put up Jake Arrieta numbers after his prime. <laughs> and then they got rid of Hugh Darvish and they just got back Jake Arrieta. So it's kind of, I, I don't think they have the most starting pitching to work with. Remember, they had John Lester, who's not there anymore. They don't have the most talent in their pitching regime. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Cubs are going to be very good this year. Like I said, they got to find some diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a tough season. Which they have in, in prior years, or, right. or, or past years. But it'll be interesting to see. Right. If they do find that talent, if the coaching can figure it out, David Ross, the manager there in Chicago, I wasn't a big, I wasn't the biggest fan of him. It was more of a, I think it was more of a homecoming to David Ross to come back to Chicago after they won the World Series to manage. You know, he was a catcher there, and they brought him back to manage. Almost more of a homecoming is what I'm saying than a actual signing for potential mm-hmm. competitiveness. I don't, I didn't like that signing. I didn't like that move. Another move that I didn't like, and we're kind of bouncing around here from division to division, and now we're going to go NL to AL, that I didn't like is Tony La Russa in Chicago. Hmm. We're staying in Chicago. Go Tony La Russa. I mean, you got someone who saw the invent of dirt. <laughs> someone who <laughs> saw the first sunrise. The White Sox went out and hired a guy who used to drive a car Flintstone style. The feet on the floor. <laughs> Cut this guy a break. <laughs> I can't. Tony LaRusso, I just called him a good manager for the Cardinals, and he was. That was before he turned 100. I mean, <laughs> come on. You have this young influx of talent in Chicago for the White Sox, and you go out and hire... Try to level the playing field. You know, you got like way too many young people. You got to... You go out and hire someone who... I saw relate. George Washington get elected into office. I can mean, relate to the... To the young guns. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't. And then, seriously, a a news story that came out before the season started in the offseason 
was right as Tony LaRusso got hired. He had a DWI or an OWI, I think, a DUI. What are we doing? First off, you're old as dirt. Why are you doing that? Second off, you just got hired to be the manager. Why are you do? Bad look for the organization. I thought this was a bad signing from day one when they first announced it. There were so many better options that you could have gone with, and this was the one. I get it. The guy is experienced, and the guy, you know, and I kid about his age. But at this time, you know, you have young talent. You need someone to relate to them and can kind of hone them in based on the stipulations of today. I mean, Tony LaRussa was the manager for Babe Ruth, and that's not... That's not... That's <laughs> you're, not just, you're just really just ripping into this guy on this age. I am. It's going to come am. back to bite you when you're like 80 and somebody's ripping in on you on a <laughs> podcast in their college dorm room to... <laughs> yeah, as what, professional yeah. as we are on the Tony G Show. <laughs> you got me laughing here. I mean, come <laughs> on, Will. But you see the point, though, that I'm trying to make. It's like... <laughs> I mean, it's like if you want to pour yourself a nice bowl of cereal, but you go get spoiled milk. Like, what are Jeez. you doing? <laughs> I uh, think I think the analogy was landed, Tony. I think it's there. Think you think I should drop it? I think it. I think everyone is getting the drift. <laughs> I just called Tony Larusa spoiled milk. Oh man. Oh boy. Because milk is old, you know. Spoiled milk is yeah. I get it. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. the one that said it. Yeah. I was just explaining in case people didn't get it from the 15 other oh, ones you put out there. Explain it to Tony G Nation. What are you saying about Tony G Nation? We're off the rails here on the Tony G Show. Let's hold back in on the season preview. Uh, the one team I'm going to focus on here for the uh, previewing the season, since we're in Wisconsin, is the Brewers. You know what my predicted record is for the Brewers? I mean, it's right here, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> just play along. No, I don't, Tony. What is your prediction? I'm predicting they go 71 and 91. I'm predicting they're 20 games under 500 because they were a 500 to below 500 team last year and they didn't add very many pieces. They have talent and they have name power and they have MVP candidates, but I still think they're a below 500 team. I don't think they do anything special. I like Craig Council in this position that he's in mm-hmm. as a manager, longest tenured manager, by the way, in the NL. I think. An- all of baseball? No, I think in the NL. And he, he three straight playoff appearances. Could have been four. Almost was four. They had that experience. He has that experience as a manager. He knows what he's doing. It's just that the talent there, mm-hmm. I don't think, can really come together and compete. I just don't see it. It's almost kind of like the flip side to like we talked about with the Rays and I believe the Padres. It's like they have the talent, but the management isn't quite there. Yeah, The Brewers have... A, like really good like Craig Council is fantastic yeah and their talent they do have some really talented players like you said it's some MVP candidates but overall it's not the best no it isn't and if you would have told me this lineup about five years ago I would have said they're World Series contenders <laughs> but when you look at it no now they're not Avisael Garcia in left field and Christian Yelich in right field those are two strong bats they're going to be three four in the lineup mm-hmm. Lorenzo Kane in center fielder Gold Glover, you need him there. His bat, he's going to hit about 235 this year. He opted out of 2020, but even before then, I mean, he was like a 250 hitter. He's kind of past his prime now. Not as fast as he used to be. Not quick. Not His hands aren't as quick as they used to be. I think he's going to hit about 235 this year with about like three home runs. But at least he's not spoiled milk. <laughs> he is not spoiled milk in your cereal. I'm, I'm not a 
you see what I mean, though. Lorenzo Cain isn't the biggest name mm-hmm. uh, in terms of offense. Travis Shaw. <laughs> Let's go around the infield here. Travis Shaw they just picked up again. Third baseman. I think he's going to platoon with Luis Arias at third base. Young stud. Has yet to find his way in Major League Baseball. Orlando Arcia, who's going to hit probably 250 with like 12 home runs. Going to be like average middle-of-the-pack numbers. He, but like Out of all these players you have listed here, I feel like he might have the most potential to kind of grow Yeah, like crazy numbers. I think that about Keston Hira. Yeah, yeah, him too. But I also think there's a lot Orlando of Arce- when when Orlando Arcia came up, it was this big deal because he was like the he was like the number one prospect for the Brewers in like a top ten or twenty, if I recall correctly, in Major League Baseball when he came up. So it was a big deal, and he is a very solid defender, very good arm, very very good arm, great glove, but the offensive side of things hasn't really been there. I mean, it's come. You know, it's it's been better in past seasons than uh, when he first came up. But he's like a middle-of-the-pack hitter. He's average. He's nothing above. Do I think they needed to upgrade? If you're not going to upgrade at shortstop, which I don't think they should have, they should have upgraded at third base. And, you know, I was a big stickler if the Cardinals went out and got Nolan Arenado. Why didn't the Brewers? Mm. The Brewers don't have as much to give up as the Cardinals. But okay, then why didn't they go sign Justin Turner? Well, he re-signed in, in L.A. Why? He probably liked L.A. more than Milwaukee. I get it. But you still needed an upgrade at third base, and you didn't get it. You didn't get it. You got Travis Shaw back. And I like Travis Shaw back when he was good. <laughs> but, but now he's not. Maybe, maybe it'll be the good Travis Shaw. I doubt it. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, well. I'll play I'm, devil's advocate. Yeah, you do that. Their strong, their strong point for the Brewers, I think, is their first three to four in the starting rotation. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Adrian Hauser, I think, is going to find his way this season. But then you got guys like Josh Lindblom, Brett Anderson, Eric Lauer. Talk about spoiled milk. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I think they needed to land a starting pitcher, too. <laughs> and I feel like I'm asking for the universe here, but... You know, they just add, added a bunch of small pieces. Mm-hmm. I came out of... Last season with the argument that the Brewers aren't going to win the World Series with Daniel Vogelbach at first base. Logan Morrison at first base. They kind of did that flop of like three, four guys at first base. None of them panned out. Daniel Vogelbach was the one who hit the best, and he's back. I remember that. But, I mean, you're not going to win a World Series with Omar Narvaez hitting 110 at the catcher position. Let's go here. Bullpen, I do think they have one of the most dominant... (laughs) I feel like I'm on both sides of the spectrum here. I'm ripping the Brewers, and then I'm like, well, they got a lot of talent. But they do have one of the most dominant bullpens in Major League Baseball. Josh Hader for a closer. Devin Williams, rookie of the year. One of the best changeups in baseball. Freddie Peralta. He needs to really step up this year and figure out his way. He hasn't been the most consistent. They went out and signed Brad Boxberger, a one-year deal with the Brewers. J.P. Firerising, a young stud with the potential. He has a big fastball. I like him. <laughs> so... Okay, let's summarize here. I'm on both sides of the spectrum. Go ahead, Will. They look like they could be a very well-organized defensive team. If this team is more defensive-minded and is able to keep their opponents from scoring as much, could you see this offense being enough? That's a good question. That's a good spin on it. Yes, yes. You get what I'm saying? Like, yes. if, if they play a good defense, this I... team could be competitive in that respect. 
And I do almost kind of hate to say that because I've been on both sides here. I rip the Brewers and I turn around and say they got great talent. I rip the Brewers and I turn around and say they got good chance. I, you're, I, you're skeptical. I am. And who can blame me? They made the playoffs the last three years, and they've been missing that one piece to take that next step to a World Series contender, and they just don't do it. Mike Moustakis leaves at third base. They don't re-sign him. Has a very good year for the Reds. They need to bounce back, get a good third baseman, and they don't land one. I always, I you can't have enough starting pitching. I think they need to go out and get that one last piece in their starting rotation if Adrian Hauser's not going to step up. Because sure, you can win the first two games with Brandon Woodruff and uh, Corbin Burns, but then you come back, Adrian Hauser still hasn't figured it out. Josh Lindblom, Brett Anderson, Eric Lauer, spoiled milk. I mean, you need that last piece to really take that step, and they just won't do it. So, yes, I'm skeptical, but yes, I'm optimistic, but yes, I'm pessimistic. <laughs> okay? <laughs> just leave me alone. My end prediction, 71-91 for the Brewers. Anything to add, Will? No, I think we covered it. We are way, way over time. That's okay. That's all right. Let's get to the NFL, and specifically the NFC West. I'm going to call them the most competitive and hard-nosed division in all of football. That's a hot take. You think so? Yeah. I don't think so. Why? Because J.J. Watt just decided he's going to sign with the Cardinals. Two years, $31 million. The Cardinals' D-line isn't the most impressive, but other pass rushers are worth noting, I think. Guys like a Chandler Jones or guys like Devin Kennard, Jordan Hicks, Devondre Campbell. Then you look at their secondary guys like Buda Baker, Chris Banjo, former Packer. Drake Kirkpatrick, Patrick Peterson, I think there's been talks about them not being with the team next year. I don't know if their contract is up. I didn't look into that situation, but I think they do have a strong secondary. I think they have a good defense. Will, you disagree? We talked about it pre-show. I guess I, I just feel like I feel like this defense is good, not great. Okay. I, can't, for, I agree. I can agree with that. They have a lot of players, a lot of really good positional players at their spot, but they don't have a lot of like filler players or players of decent to to good talent level to kind of support them. Yeah. And like I mentioned before in our conversations about J.J. Watt, I think he needs to go to a place where he's not the center of that defensive line. And, and he went he to a place where he is the sole center of that defensive line. And now he is. And we'll talk about J.J. Watt in about five minutes here just to continue summarizing the NFC West. You know, we talk about the Cardinals. The Seahawks are always competitive, although there is talks about the Russell Wilson trade. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. No, I don't see him getting traded. Seahawks are going to be competitive regardless. The 49ers are going to be healthy again. They're Tony G's pick for the Super Bowl contenders, 49ers. The Rams got Matthew Stafford. That's Will's pick for Super Bowl contender. Actually, yeah, this is actually a pretty good division. Yeah. Talent-wise. Yeah. Talent-wise, this is a very good division. Coach-wise, too? What do you mean? Just Why are you, well, spe- why are you singling... Talent-wise. I was just kind of singling out talent because a lot of teams went out and at least found some and players added, that, sure. that could add to their to their player their yeah. player uh, yep. pool. It's a weird sort of limbo of teams that have been average to below average, now picking it up, now adding pieces, now figuring it out, upgrading at quarterback like the Rams. The 49ers I think could use an upgrade at quarterback, but Jimmy Garoppolo, it's hard to tell. Kind of dealt with injuries. He has a lot of talent around him. You don't know if they're competitive because it's a Jimmy Garoppolo thing or it's everyone else's thing. Seahawks are always competitive. Now the Cardinals, I think, added a piece that will solidify that defense as not dominant, but 
Good. Very, but, but good. Mm-hmm. Not very good, but good. Good enough. Good enough to get by if your offense can do the job, which Kyler Murray was one of my MVP candidates halfway through the season last year. So it'll be interesting to see how that NFC West kind of plays out. I think, who do you think is going to win, Will? I think it's going to be the 49ers winning the division. Will's kind of shaking I, his head. I, I still got to stick with the Rams. I'm not a, I, I, I'm not a Ram fan at all. Sure. I, but, or, I, not, okay. I don't dislike the Rams, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, the Rams. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I really feel like Stafford is a stud. I agree. And Sean McVay is a genius. Yeah. And they have a good defense. And Stafford and an offense that is built around him is going to be something to watch out for. Yeah. Again, though, the Niners could be that team again. Yeah, and last, I think they will be. Last season, they, they were pretty be. much riddled with just injury and bad luck. So it's hard to say. Is it, Like you said, is Garoppolo really that good, or is, is he around a team that's just like star-studded? It's hard to tell. I can't really tell yet. Because he doesn't do it, nothing above average that I think, oh, wow, Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. But you, we said it multiple times on the show, you can win with an average quarterback. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of teams do. Look at Tom Brady and the Patriots. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Will. Um, yeah, he's average. Okay, wow. Uh, <laughs> Other examples. Where are we going? Oh, yeah. I <laughs> felt I, quarterbacks I feel like in the year that the Niners were really dominant, that team around Stafford, or not Stafford, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I felt like... More often than not, it was other players making the plays than Gar- than Garoppolo. Okay. I wasn't like, "Wow, what a play by Garoppolo!" or "Wow, what a throw!" Yeah, it was a lot of like speed, and I felt like the talent on that team definitely was the star. Yeah, but maybe you never maybe, know. Maybe, though, maybe he mean, is that good. Maybe I mean he doesn't have overwhelming pocket presence. He doesn't have overwhelming scrambling ability. Doesn't have that much better of an arm than anybody else in the NFL. I think he's average to slightly above average, but you can win with that in the NFL, especially when you have the talent of the 49ers. Now let's talk J.J. Watt and Cardinals. I went through the depth chart for the Cardinals' defense. This could be the one piece that they need. Well discussed. You know, you do, J.J. Watt shouldn't have gone somewhere where he's the, the spotlight of the defense because, you know, it, it takes some of the pressure off him, but he went and did that. I you know I think many people aren't talking enough about Chandler Jones in this defense. He, I like him as a pass rusher. He's a great player. Right, but that's the thing. I don't think anybody's talking about that. Everyone's like, oh, J.J. Watt in this defense now. This is a good defense. This was an average to above average defense. I think it's a good defense now that they add J.J. Watt if he can stay healthy. Did the Cardinals just pay $31 million through two years for... Six games a season, for eight games a season, for twelve games a season. Let's hope not for their for their sake. In theory, you wanna play you wanna pay thirty one million for a guy who's gonna pay fifteen, sixteen games a year. Mm-hmm. And did they do that? Did they just pay for six, eight games a season? Ooh, it'll be interesting to play out see how that plays out. That's let's think about the offenses in that division. You know, now you now you're going against Matthew Stafford, Cam Akers mm-hmm. in the Rams. The Seahawks of Russell Wilson, always hard to defend or hard to uh, contain, I mm-hmm. should say. That's the word I'm trying to use. And then you also have the Cardinals. You have the 49ers, a hard-hitting offense. I don't know, man. Where the Rams you... have one of the best offensive lines in football. Yeah. I have no problem saying that. Where Where do you place Kyler Murray in the quarterbacks in that division? Hmm. I would say third best. 
I'd say Wilson one. Mm-hmm. I'd say Murray two. Really over Stafford? I'd say Murray too. Yep. This is a good discussion. Maybe I, we should discuss this on the yeah I, the next Tony G show. I like this discussion. Mm-hmm. We, should we save it for another? Let's for the next save show? it. You okay. know what? Let's okay. make that call right here. Okay. Season six, episode ten. We're gonna discuss. We're gonna compare Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray. That'll be a good discussion. Let's just let's talk quarterbacks in that yeah, division too. We could, too. We could um, sc- scrape the surface here of that. <laughs> Oh, I, I was just saying in that episode we can cover that then too. But oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that'll be interesting. We can. I won't even want to. Wow. We'll just we'll just cut it. We'll we'll let we'll let the viewers get excited sure. for the next one. Yeah, I mean it is your show, Will. You make the call. No, I'm just of kidding. course, it's my show. <laughs> it's named after me. Let's cap it there because we're way over time and we still have another segment to go here. That'll be a good discussion. Wait for that on Thursday's episode of the Tony G Show. Segment number three of the Tony G Show. Ready, Will. Mm-hmm. SNC Baseball. St. Norbert College starts 2-0 after the weekend doubleheader in Minnesota. They played two games against Crown College at U.S. Bank Stadium. They turned cool. that football field into a baseball uh, a field, and they do that every year, I think. And a bunch of teams play. I mean, they, it's, they do it all weekend long, and St. Norbert got in for two games with Crown College. Game one, Christian Jack, roommate, friend of the show. Two for three, two RBIs. Two runs scored. Ooh. His brother, also friend of the show, Peyton Jack. Three for four, three RBI, a run scored. Pitching in that game, Tommy Maher got the win, goes to 1-0, and four and a third innings. Two hits, seven strikeouts, one earned. Very good outing wow. for Tommy. And then friend of the show, very good friend of the show, Sam Fonder. Closed the game out, two innings pitched, zero hits. There was someone who pitched in between. I don't mean to leave them out, I'm just skipping a pitcher here. Sam Fonder, two innings pitched, zero hits, zero earned, a walk, and three strikeouts. Atta wow. boy. Good outing. Atta boy. Good job, boys. Game one, win, 1-0. One oh. How about game two? Jacob Rakovich, Rako. Good guy, Rako. Soft-spoken, very nice. Two for four, three runs scored, two RBIs. Miles Cruz, how about this story? Senior for the team, former pitcher only, turned outfielder. I got to check my sources to see if he's still a pitcher. Turned outfielder for this game in the starting lineup. Went one for two, three RBIs, a bases-clearing triple. Wow. Wow. Former pitcher only. What? Such a standout guy, too. Yeah. He's about as nice as they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and him argue a lot about sports teams, but yeah, sure, good guy. I'd stolen <laughs> cold stun him into the moon, but that's okay. Yeah, good guy. You're referring to the uh, Brewers-Cubs beef? The Brewers-Cubs-Bucks-Lakers. He's a Lakers guy because he's... From Chicago, moved to L.A., so he's kind of you know dipping the feet in both teams, so I give him crap for that. Good guy, <laughs> regardless. Alex Perez, also one for one, two RBIs and a walk. Now, uncharacteristic start on the mound for Mason Sefcik. Only got through a third of an inning, four hits, five earned. Not how you want to start a season, but Mason, Tony G Show's got your back. I'm sure uh, Mason will bounce back. Good pitcher, good fastball. I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, into mid-season form as the season gets going here. Trevor Ramthon, friend of the show, took over two innings pitched, earned run, two strikeouts. Nick Brower got the win, went to 1-0. 2-0 for the St. Norbert College baseball team, the Green Knights, and they will play again this weekend in Carroll Stream, Illinois, at Fun Stadium. I think that's how you say that, P-F-U-N-D, Fun Stadium. Yeah. For a game against Elmhurst University and against Wheaton College. So best of luck. Gentlemen, way to start a season. Keep well, moving. Let's, get, let's get some of them on the show, huh? Yeah, let's I do mean, that. I mean, they're pretty busy in season. We've had Christian Jack on the show before. 
We're doing. We've it. been meaning to get Sam on the show forever. We're doing it, and we never do. We've, we've gotten his dad like four times, but we never got Sam on the show. We should do that. Talk to our friend Wally too, head coach. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's, it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to that. Best of luck, boys, in your season. All right. Well, what do you say? Good episode or no? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. These episodes are getting fun. Mm-hmm. We're in mid-season stride. Literally about season six, episode nine, ten. This is mid-season form. I'm liking it. Oh, what do you say, vacation? <laughs> <laughs> Tony G Show, season six, episode nine, now concluded. Episode 96 in the books. Number 97, coming our way on Thursday. What do you say, Will? See you then. Yeah, sounds good. Don't forget, episode number 100, coming right around the corner for the Tony G Show. We're going to have special... Uh, covers for that as well you know podcast covers and cool logos coming out i can't wait for that thanks for that for the support for will mccormick i'm tony g we'll see you thursday this is a tony g show